the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a the game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a jerk move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And it is a Reaction Monday edition of Panhandle Sports Live for this 30th day of October 2023, the day before Halloween. And we've got a lot of content to get through over the next hour or so. I'm Luke Wiggs. Parker Stone will be along here in just a couple of moments' time because we've got a lot to talk about over the weekend in the world of high school football, college football, the NFL as well. We'll react to Tyson Bajan's start. We'll react to a really promising victory from the Mountaineer football team and a really alarming defeat for the Shepherd Rams. But how could we bury the lead even further? Because today's show, our attention is diverted to Morgan County. It had been over 700 days since Berkeley Springs as a high school football team had won a football game. They had gone almost two entire seasons without a victory, but that streak was broken as they defeated Braxton County on Saturday. 27-21 to 21 the final score and the celebration in Morgan County that could be heard echoing throughout the entire Mountain State, I'm sure, is still going on as we speak today. So that's where we're going to start our focus. Parker Stone had the call on the newly minted 92-9. That's cool 92-9 for those of you playing along at home for Berkeley Springs to pick up this ever-elusive victory and beat Braxton County. Let's listen back to some of the highlights of Saturday's game and let's all revisit what was a huge and monumental victory for the Tribe. Still lost that one. That was picked off by the Tribe. Lennon Helmand has it. Lennon Helmand intercepts the football. And he's going to get brought down on around the 20-yard line. Turnover for the Tribe. Landon Helmand picked that off. Kane's going to throw this one up in the air. And it's Adam Rippian who leaps up and gets the touchdown pass. It is Adam Rippian who scores for the Tribe. His first receiving touchdown of the season. Kane thought about going to the outside. Ashiki found Adam Rippian, who had the height advantage. He was able to corral that pass down. It's going to be a reverse play, double reverse. He's looking down the field. Does he have down the field? Can he get it? It's in. Kyle Moore's got a touchdown drive. A triple reverse for Berkeley Springs, and Kyle Moore gets his first receiving touchdown of the season. Wes Eddy brings out the gambit on that play. It was Kane with a handoff to the right side for Ambrose, who flipped it to Yakowski, who flipped it back to Aiden Kane, 
who got Kyle Moore in the back of the end zone. It's a fake this time, and Kane's going to try and do it himself. Kane goes to the defense. Kane's at the second level. He hurdles the defender and is going to get brought down at around the 35-yard line of Braxton. Kyle Moore is the solo wide receiver to the left side. Bunch to the right here for Berkeley Springs. In motion, Shiki. Shiki going to sing it to Moore. They're going to try another reverse play. Moore breaks the tackle. Moore's trying to find a man downfield. Moore throws it up. And it is caught by Eden Kane. That time it works. Eden Kane's past midfield. Eden Kane's past the 40 to 30. He's going to beat him. He's down the sideline. Touchdown, Eden Kane. Touchdown drive. Oh, my goodness. What a play. Kyle Moore broke two tackles, completes the pass to Kane. He outran him on the right side, sideline. Twice now, Wes Eddy has, has put his hand into the trick-or-treat jar, and it has worked. 21-18 to 18 is now the score. You see Coach Eddie, he said, here's our quarter, throws the fours in the air. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a game in Morganfield. Maybe the biggest play of the season for Berkeley Springs High School football. Fourth and four, nine minutes to go in quarter number four. They trail by 221-19. Rush is coming in, and the tribe looks like they get the stop. Berkeley Springs gets the stop, and the offense has a chance to take the lead for the first time today. Berkeley Springs is going to take the snap just shy of the 50. It's fourth down and one. Kane's in the gun. Sheiky's in motion from left to right. Kane's going to try and do it himself. He gets the first down and more. Aiden Kane's in the second level. Aiden Kane gets brought down at the 35 of Braxton. Berkeley Springs stays alive. The run here for Kane. He's going to try to throw to the outside. And it's caught by Ripian. I see they say the score. It looked like he was down at the one. They say he's down at the one-yard line. Ripian with a great catch. Can Kane get it in this time? There's no denying that one. Aiden Kane's in for a touchdown. And the first time this season, the Berkeley Springs High School Indians have the lead. The Tribe are up. Tribe looks to be going for two. It's Kyle Moore in at quarterback this time for the Tribe. Moore is going to take this snap. He's going to roll to the right. Passes up in the pass. It's caught and good. Adam Ripian converts for two. It is 27 to 21. Berkeley Springs with the lead. 3:01 to go in the contest. First down and 10 for the Eagles. Ball is placed at the 47. 3:01 to go in the game. Moss takes the snap. He's back to throw. He's plugging. He's going to get corralled down. Lucas Purdy, have yourself a senior day. Lucas Purdy brings down Moss behind the line. Third down to 21. Moss takes the snap. He looks down the field. He launches it. This one pass. And it's caught. And it is dropped. It is dropped, ladies and gentlemen. That pass is dropped by Brody Smore. He was wide open in the seam. He just dropped the football, laying an egg with Brody Smar. Here we go, fourth down and 21. Two wide receivers on either side for Braxton. Pressures looks to be shown for the Tribe. It's a low snap. Moss has trouble holding it, thrown up in the air, and it is going to be incomplete. Kyle Moore in coverage. Cody Stout, the attendant receiver. Minute 54 to go. The greatest formation in football, folks. And they take a knee. A beautiful moment at Berkeley Springs, ladies and gentlemen. Morgan County, you've suffered through a lot of losses for football. You've been through a lot. 722 days. 722 days. You heard that correct. And that streak dies today. 
One more snap here for Aiden Kane, who takes the knee, and the celebration begins at Morgan Field. And that is it. Ladies and gentlemen, Morgan County, stand up. Berkeley Springs, stand up. You're Indian for the first time in 722 calendar days. Have won a football game. Berkeley Springs, final score, 27. The Braxton County High School Eagles, 21. Berkeley Springs defense cuts out Braxton County in the second half. Tears are flowing on the sidelines. So much emotion. It's senior day. It's youth day. It's military day. The flag is flying for the drive. So much emotion on this field. Well, congratulations to Wes Eddy and his first win at uh, Berkeley Springs as a head coach. Congratulations to the Tribe, specifically on Senior Day, and a team that really did not quit throughout the entirety of the season that now are rewarded with a victory and snapped the longest active losing streak in the state of West Virginia. So a ton of fun to be had in Morgan County. Again, I'm sure that celebration is still going on uh, as we speak today, and I'm sure it's a sign of very good things to come in the future for that program, really trying to build things up. That was, again, Parker Stone on the call. You could have heard Cool 92.9, where you can catch Berkeley Springs football next season as the Tribe look to build on uh, what was an impressive end to the season. That wasn't the only high school football that we had over the weekend. Uh, in the EPAC, specifically on Friday, Martinsburg in the 400th game coached by Dave Walker are able to defeat Hedgesville 36 to nothing and finish the regular season undefeated at 9-0. You also had Jefferson picking up a really crucial seventh victory as they blank Clarksburg out of Maryland 56 to nothing, put up a really crooked number there, and uh, they're trending towards potentially hosting in the first round of the playoffs along with Spring Mills and Martinsburg as they take on Washington this weekend uh, to finish out the regular season. Uh, that's certainly going to be uh, a ton of fun. And then, of course, the Musselman-Appleman. That was where our attention was diverted to on Friday night. They beat Washington 43-6, to controversially 43-6, to because the scoreboard said 42 at all zeros. I had 43, and a lot of people have re uh, reported it as 44. <laughs> but with that said, the score somewhere in the low 40s. Uh, Musselman was able to defeat Washington uh, behind a hat trick by wide receiver Isaiah Beard. Michael Thompson played very well, and defensively the Appleman were incredibly stout, not giving up an offensive touchdown. The lone touchdown scored by Washington in the game was, albeit a very impressive, 80-plus yard scoop and score by Garrett Fobble, the defensive tackle at the time um, for Washington. But I got to catch up with Brian Thomas after the game. Before we take our first break of the show, let's listen back to that interview, starting the conversation talking about Isaiah Beard, but then the conversation shifts to uh, a really stout running attack. We saw a lot of Wildcat in this game. Blake Sanders, uh, Colton Shelton, and Braden Miller all took snaps out of the Wildcat and a really impressive performance for the Muscleman Appleman uh, to improve to 4-5 and five and make their Week 11 matchup really interesting, which we'll talk about on the other side here, but this is Brian Thomas after the game. Was the first play of the game designed to go for Isaiah on offense? So you have to be happy that, um, uh, with the result of that play. Yeah, <clears throat> something we wrapped this week wasn't really the plan. Actually, we had planned, um, we thought they were going to bring pressure. We were actually going to run a different play action fake. Um, but we got the ball in the opposite hash where we wanted to, so it wasn't really, we kind of planned to come out and throw it off the get-go tonight because we thought they would be expecting running, bringing pressure, so the plan was to air it out, but the kids have said all week, if they're bringing pressure and we get the cover zero, 
if Isaiah catches a slant, they're not catching him. So all the kids have said that all week. So, <laughs> Well, a couple of different times, every single time, they brought six, they brought seven. I thought yeah. Michael knew he needed to get the ball yeah. out quickly, and he did. Yeah, we repped that a lot this week. And, and, you know, it's I'll tell you, man, maybe this is a question you're going to ask later. It's tough because when you're on a losing streak yeah. and you're playing, you know, I don't want to make excuses. You're playing the difficult schedule that we're playing. You know, you're seeing, we're seeing some of the best teams in the state week in and week out over and over and over. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, man, where's the rewards in what we're doing? So everything, you know, we're, we're getting better through practice. And I can see that. And I told the kids that if you heard me at the end, I told the kids, I, I've coached long enough to see, I know we're getting better. Sometimes it's hard because you can't see that in the stat sheet or maybe somebody can't see that from the stands or somebody from the outside can't see that, but I know we are. Um, so it's it's long-winded question. It's good to come out and work on stuff and they gave us what we worked on, and we had checks, and we had stuff in place, and then we executed that. Well, Coach, you scored more points in this game than you did in your yeah. previous five combined, so yeah. a lot of things went right. Guys got into the end zone today. You know, there's certainly some confidence to be pulled from that going into week 11, right? Yeah, we're playing some young kids, too, and, and you don't want to use that as an excuse, but at the same time, you know, you got to get used to varsity football. So Blake Sanders, awesome player, yeah. but he's still a young buck. Colton Shelton, <laughs> you know, great player, still a young buck. You know, even Braden Miller, you know, he, he's, he's a junior, but last Last year he was kind of our, our secondary guy, even though he made some good plays. Well, now you're one of our key roles and key guys that we're leaning on. So, you know, you, you learn to step into those roles a little bit and you learn to do the stuff that we're doing where, you know, we're getting better. Well, Coach, some people might call you a madman. You have a quarterback that throws for close to 200 yards in the first half, but you come out in the wildcat there in the second half, pound the rock, six-minute long scoring drive. I'm sure that was the game plan. You have to be thrilled you were able to kill some clock like that. Yeah, we've repped on, like, different formations in different sets this year, and we've kind of, you know, we've kind of offensively bounced around in some different stuff this year, uh, trying to make something click, and we, we found stuff here recently that we liked. And we, we said that. We had that, honestly, their game plan, I feel like in the first half was to slow us up. Yeah. You know, they, they had a lot more plays than us in the first half. Uh, and we, we wanted to do more of our Wildcat stuff, um, but we, didn't, we really didn't get a chance to do much of that. So second half, we kind of tried to get in their heads a little bit and said, hey, they're going to be, they're not going to bring the pressure now because they're not manning us up. So now they're going to be dropping back in us off their coverage. Yeah. So let's us kind of counter what they're doing and line up everything tight and pound them. So that was kind of our plan. And the good thing is those three kids I mentioned, um, Sanders, Shelton, and Miller, yeah. um, you know, we can pound one after the other and have fresh legs. It's not like, you know, you go back a couple years ago, it's not like a Blake Hartman, even though Blake got better <laughs> as the game went along. But you're not pounding one kid for 30 carries a game. You're pounding, I think, if we, we, we did a touch chart tonight, uh, we always do that, but I think each of them had double-digit carries, so that's what we want to be. Yeah. Well, well, lastly, Coach, I'll look ahead to next week. Yeah. You know, this has been an up-and-down season, but at the end of the day, you control your own destiny. You've got an opportunity to win on Friday and have a chance to play a, an elusive 11th game. Uh, certainly a lot on the line. I don't need to tell you about it, but it's going to be a fun week, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, it's wild. Um, I don't know. When you're winning, you're on top of the world. Yeah. And when you're losing, the sky's falling, you know, and we're sitting here, you know, we're so, we've had so many years where we were taught, we, we've had home playoff games. We've been top 10 and we're here at the end of the year and we're talking about, you know, hey, let's get a home, let's lock in a home playoff game. We're not in that boat this year. It, 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 it's, it's different. So to have the up and down season that we've had and still be sitting here saying, hey, we got a chance to be 500, man. We got a chance to come out and, and, and finish five and five next week it is, you know, we got a lot to play for. You know, the one thing that, it goes unnoticed is we're getting turf next year. So 
you know, Musselman's such a historic, you've asked me this before about yep. the history, about the tradition. You know, there've been a lot of blood, sweat, tears, <laughs> fights, battles, wars on that grass, on that, on that, on that, on that gridiron that we play on. It's gonna be our last game on grass. So, you know, our homecoming game, um, senior night, the last game on the grass, a chance to be 500, man, there's, there's, I don't know. We're not gonna have to say too much <laughs> next week to get hyped a little bit and get a little bit of juice and a little bit of blood flowing. That was Brian Thomas and those victorious Musselman Appleman who hang over 40 points on Washington in that victory. Musselman scored more points on Friday night than they had scored in the previous six games combined. And it's a much maligned offense for the Appleman. I know our text line uh, has out, been outspoken about that throughout the season. You can text us 304-263-4321. Uh, that really eased a lot of people's anxieties when it came to this team's ability to make the postseason. They have a chance to get in, folks, even if they lose this Friday night at 4-6. and six. They have to crunch the numbers, but I think it's going to come down uh, to potentially GW's matchup this Friday. We'll know a little bit more as we get to Friday, but they also have an opportunity to win straight up and get in at 5-5. Five and five. They take on a Parkersburg team uh, that's also struggling, another perennial powerhouse in Class AAA that's been a little up and down this year, and they're going to take each other on Friday night uh, at Denny Price Stadium. The last time that... Uh, natural grass is going to be used for a home Musselman football game. And that's where we're going to be for our Panhandle High School football game of the week. You can tune in this Friday night. Our pregame coverage begins at 6.45 with a 7 p.m. kick with myself and Parker Stone on the call. It's certainly going to be a ton of fun uh, to see what Musselman can do to end the regular season. And, uh, of course, we're going to have the playoff picture set on high school game night directly following our broadcast, so we'll know exactly where every Eastern Panhandle team is going to play. Could it be four? Could it be just three? Could we have three teams host in the first round? Those are the questions that are going to be answered over the next couple of days. Got a break to take. When we return, we'll turn our attention to college football. For uh, local college football fans, it was a tough Saturday. The Mountaineers were fantastic, and Shepard was not. We'll talk about both on the other side. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Text in at 304-263-4321. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. You can text us 304-263-4321. A lot of reacting to get to as we turn our attention to college football. But really briefly, Parker Stone now joins us in studio. Seems like Morgan County was a place to be on Saturday. Oh, man, that was... It was one of the most special moments I've ever seen in any sporting capacity this weekend. Just the emotion, the hard-fought playing from Berkeley Springs. I'm so proud of that defense. They shut out Braxton County in the second half. That was a fantastic – the crowd and the town rallied behind that team. There were a lot of stuff going on that day. It was senior day. They had the youth day, so the Warm Springs Wolves developmental program that they have in Berkeley Springs. The Wolves were out at halftime. It was their military appreciation day as well, so they had the active military and the veterans out as well. It, it was a really special moment, and to finally see Berkeley Springs get a win from almost two years to the date when their last win was it, just an absolutely special moment to see, take in. Many tears flowed on the sidelines, shared many a hug with the coaching staff down at Berkeley Springs. It was it was a very special moment this past Saturday. Well, we've got two college football games to talk about, and what a juxtaposition it is. Shepard fell to Bloomsburg. One and seven were the Huskies before this game, and winless in conference no longer 
as it seemed as though upsets were the theme on Saturday, uh, not just uh, for Berkeley Springs to pick up their first win, but for Bloomsburg as well. You look at the box score from this game, Shepard got 114 rushing yards and lost. Shepard threw for 200 yards and lost. Shepard had over 300 yards of total offense and averaged more than a yard per play than Bloomsburg and lost. It's kind of hard when you look at the numbers to figure out exactly what happened to Shepard that made this game so really difficult for the Rams. They made just one trip inside the red zone. That's a big part of it. And there were two interceptions. Although they were, and the second one I don't necessarily think I want to say was on Seth Morgan. You look at this game, and we talked about it being a trap game. Bloomsburg knew that they needed to make this game ugly, and they did. But there's not a lot when you look at their stat sheet that makes you think, you know, this is how they were giant killers. And there's not a lot from an offensive standpoint for Shepard that makes you think that this game was one that they, they should have blown. It's hard when you look at the autopsy of this game, Park, to figure out exactly what it was that caused Shepard to lose. Uh, but it's a loss nonetheless. And now we turn our conversation to uh, the playoffs. Inkblock put out another projection for uh, Super Region 1. Shepard is no longer in it. Now a team that is in it is East Stroudsburg, who they play this Saturday. You know, now you get the inclination that Shepard needs to win out to make the postseason and probably need to get some help on top of that. And it all starts with an inexplicable loss to Bloomsburg on Saturday. I I, I look at the box score. I love the box score, excuse me, and just wonder how this happened. I, I don't understand. I I hate to use the term, and it breaks my heart to use this for a Shepard Rams team, but they laid an egg. They yeah. absolutely laid an egg in this game. Just I one trip to the red zone, that is the most non-Shepard Rams performance I think I've seen from the Shepherd Rams since I've started watching their program and seeing how they do and how they run their offense. It was a weird day, and I I don't understand how this happened and how you go into this game. Maybe maybe they – Maybe they underestimated Bloomsburg. I, I'm that's the only thing I can maybe point to. Maybe they thought the Huskies would roll over. Their season's over. They're one and seven coming into this game. They're not going to give them a fight. Well, they they don't. The weirdest thing to me is Seth Morgan doesn't get sacked once. And how is there only one trip in the red zone? Was efficiency that bad? Was the offense just out of sync? They're averaging, like I said, they're averaging five and a half yards a play. They got over 100 yards rushing. That, that's my point. I mean, just what how? is with the exception of trips into the red zone, which there is just one. And I was at the game, you know, and I, I, I got the inclination. You know, Shepard had um, a JT Kumeyao interception. Bloomsburg was going to go up by two scores. And I thought, all right, and I said it on the broadcast, that's the momentum that they needed to change and turn this game around. And uh, that momentum never came. But when you look at the numbers specifically, and I mean, again, I was there. They looked lethargic on offense. I'm not saying it's not the most, the, the biggest mystery in the world, but they were better than Bloomsburg in a lot of categories. And it's just hard to understand exactly how this team lost this football game. And now it's going to be hard to understand exactly how they need to get back into the postseason. Jerry Griffin Batchelor, one of the better wide receivers in the conference, did not play that well. Caleb Monaco averaged four yards a carry. You kept them out of the end zone, and you kept them to 78 Yeah, yards. he was held in check pretty good. You know, Ben Riles threw two interceptions, their quarterback. And that's, I mean, that's another takeaway from this game is Bloomsburg could have won by more because they got into the red zone five times and turned it over twice in the red zone, and they missed two field goals. So, you know, when we get to talk to Coach McCook, and we won't dwell on this long because the Rams have a lot of work to get to through the end of the season uh, to try to get back to the playoffs. We'll try to get his perspective of it, but it was just incredibly inexplicable uh, for Shepard that now pick up their second loss of the season. They take on East Stroudsburg, who's clinging on to that final playoff spot in a lot of Super Region 1 playoff projections. 
So Shepard's got to win out, and they probably have to get a little bit of luck. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more as the week goes on. For the Mountaineers, completely different story on Saturday. WVU goes down to the bounce house and wins 41-28. to Garrett Green becomes the first Mountaineer quarterback since one Patrick White. They have three rushing touchdowns in the game. He's joined by C.J. Donaldson, averaging seven yards per carry, and Jaheim White, who looked like an NFL running back, who averaged just under 10 yards per carry and found the end zone as well. This was the most complete performance that WVU football has had this season, Park, and now they're just another win away from bowl eligibility. An awesome performance from WVU. And again, we'd like to mention UCF was a touchdown favorite in this game, and WVU comes in and just has a dominating performance on the ground. Green with three rushing touchdowns, as you mentioned. Jaheim White has a fantastic outing, 85 yards on nine carries. Donaldson gets alive in the second half, goes for 17 carries for 121 yards. I mean, the passing offense, you can make, if you want to gripe at all, I'd say maybe just not getting the most out of your passing offense right now. Devin Carter's your leading receiver at 47 yards in this contest. But again, no Hudson Clement. And we see now more of the wide receiver room is probably coming to really fruition in the next couple years i think for wv they're trying to go young they're trying to go speed and right now they're a run focused team under garrett green and they're using their players strengths to their advantage and i think that's a tip of the captain neil brown in the offense this is a run first team and they were able to run all over ucf john reese pumley had a bad game three touchdown passes to three interceptions overall a solid outing from wvu and this is the team that if this team shows up throughout the rest of the season again seven wins maybe even eight are a real possibility for the mountaineers coming up they got BYU they're a 10 point favorite against BYU at home coming up this weekend it it all boils down to that BYU's five and three if you get a win over the Cougars I think you've got eight wins in your schedule if not I think seven or eight is where we're looking at right now for this team as long as they don't lay an egg as long as they don't let a Houston event happen again I think this is a team that could win seven or eight games on their season with Baylor, who's having a bad year. With and Cincinnati. BYU and Cincinnati. And yeah. BYU and Cincinnati. Cincinnati's two and six right now. Yeah, but Cincinnati's the worst team in the conference now. I say that even though UCF has struggled to win a conference game. And then you've got BYU not at BYU. And I, I know Mountaineer fans are going to be jazzed up for that one because of Keaton Slovis. So that's, um, that, that's certainly going to be another opportunity, like you mentioned, for them uh, to get to that elusive sixth victory, maybe seventh and eighth. Neil Brown's two wins away from saving his job, and uh, frankly, I think he's earned it. And frankly, they're Garrett Green not taking his helmet off away from being six and two right now. So you know, <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Well, we've got a couple of other college games I want to touch on really quickly because the one that stole the headlines, I think, from a national point of view, uh, were those Kansas Jayhawks. Oklahoma looked vulnerable when they took on UCF a week ago, uh, and they looked even more vulnerable when they were upset by Kansas yesterday. Here's the call: how it sounded on Learfield for Kansas to go up at the time. 38 to 33, which ended up being the final score. Devin Neal at the five, still on his feet. He dives to the end zone. He's in. Boom! Touchdown, Kansas. Devin Neal delivers, and the Jayhawks storm back to take the lead with 55 seconds to go. So that probably kills the Big 12 for the college football playoff. As uh, 38 to 33 was the final score. Uh, a couple of other games I want to touch on really quickly because there were a handful of other upsets. Uh, across the country. Number 11, Oregon, went down to Arizona, who was unranked. 27-24 to 24 was the final score of that game. We've got to talk about, if we had more time, talk about what Pat Narduzzi said about his players. They got stomped by Notre Dame, and he said we had a lot of key players that we needed to replace, and we didn't do that well. 
And then several members of his team responded to that quote on Twitter. You had number 17, North Carolina, losing to unranked Georgia Tech, 46-22. to Air Force has an outside shot at the college football playoff as they're undefeated in the Mountain West, and they beat Colorado State 30-13. to You know, anything else you want to touch on from the college football weekend? Um, looking at some of the results, Texas has a dominating performance against BYU. Louisville shuts out Duke with Riley Leonard not playing. Oregon with an absolute masterclass of a performance against Utah, 35-6. to The Ducks, if Washington trips down the line, the Ducks are in a spot to make a push for the college football playoff. But I think right now over the weekend, I think really our four is going to be Georgia, Mich- the winner of Michigan and Ohio State, Washington and Florida State. That's what it looks like right now. Now rocking with Air Force. Come on, man. I I mean, <laughs> they they'll go to a New Year's Six bowl game. Yeah, 100%. Sure. They're going they're right now the favorite to go to a New Year's Six, but as of today, it is Georgia, the winner of Michigan, Ohio State, then Washington, then Florida State is probably going to be our college football playoff. Also had a couple of nail biters with number 24, number 25, number 24 USC beat Cal only 50 to 49. Caleb Williams goes for 369 and two touchdowns. James Madison almost handed their first loss of the season in the Sun Belt Fun Belt. Old Dominion almost knocks off JMU, but JMU hangs on to win 30-27. to Got another break to take when we return. We'll turn our attention to the NFL. We'll react back to Tyson Bates' start. Bit of a mixed bag for Tyson yesterday. Uh, we'll talk about that and some of the other NFL action that happened over the weekend as you're still listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, part of the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. As the conversation continues, you can always text us 304-263-4321. Reacting to an interesting and mixed bag weekend. Had a ton of celebration in Berkeley Springs. Uh, Maybe not so much in Shepherdstown. And of course, all of us as WVU fans are really reveling at what what might be the most complete game in the Neil Brown era. But we turn our attention now uh, to... Uh, the world of the NFL, and uh, all the action that we needed to react to over the weekend. And uh, we'll begin that conversation with the Panthers. And I just want to say that I called this on Friday's show. They uh, they, they win uh, and pick up their first win of the season, 15-13. to 13. This game was absolutely gross, uh, but it was uh, certainly one that uh, Panthers fans can uh, hang their hat on. Let's listen to the Eddie Pinero field goal. Uh, that was the decisive kick of the game. Jansen snap, Hackers hole, Pinero's kick. The Panthers win! The first win of the Frank Reich era. Bryce Young's first win as the Panthers quarterback. 15-13, Carolina over Houston. Your final. And Park sounded a lot like you doing that Berkeley Springs game. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Big takeaways from this one. Worst game of C.J. Scrout's NFL career. Didn't oh, play yeah. great. Uh, while that tank Dell was the most efficient roster for the Texans, I'm, <laughs> makes me very much glad that I traded Damian Pierce away in my fantasy He had a league. touchdown taken off the board, to be fair. To be yeah. fair. Well, but you're it, right. Uh, it's just overall bad performance for the Texans. Good for the Panthers to get a win. They really needed a win for that franchise right now. They're still, again, really young, trying to figure out where they at, they are at as a team. Really encouraging performance from Jonathan Mingo. Four catches for 62 yards. He's the second-leading receiver behind Thielen for the Carolina Panthers. That's a guy I think they're going to build around for the future and be one of Bryce Young's big targets later down the line. But, again, congrats to Carolina for win number one. Absolutely. And, and that call, by the way, courtesy of WRFX. Dominant win for the Cowboys over the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they put up over 40 points, and here's one of those touchdowns by C.D. Lamb on the Cowboys radio network. 
Prescott runs up out of the pocket and runs right, looking downfield, throw into the end zone, touchdown. C. D. Lamb. Cash in that CD. 22 That's yards. Horrible. And his second touchdown of the day. You might want to retire that call there, champ. 12 catches, 158 yards, and two touchdowns for CD Lamb. And the Cowboys win this game over Los Angeles 43 to 20. Yeah, huge win for Dallas to reassert. They're one of the best teams in the NFC right now. They're making a point to next week and setting up a big, big matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. Winner of that game is probably going to have an inside track to maybe the top overall seed in the NFC with San Francisco struggles, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. Good performance from Dak. Four touchdowns, only one pick. The passing offense for Dallas is rolling. The rushing offense maybe could be a concern. Tony Pollard only carries the ball 12 times for 53 yards and concerns for the Rams as well as Matthew Stafford came out of this game with a thumb injury. Going to have to see how much time he misses. The Dolphins put up 31 points and they defeat the New England Patriots. Coming off of that impressive win against Buffalo, you wondered if the Patriots could build on it, but they lose this divisional game 31-17, to the final score. The Dolphins scoring a handful of touchdowns in this game, including this one from a yard out on WBGG by Raheem Mostert. And it's a Mostert touchdown, Miami! Okay. <laughs> That was quick. <laughs> All right. Very very to succinct point. to the point. <laughs> 31 points, though, put up by Miami to pick up the win. I can't wait till Devon A. Chan comes back into this lineup. That's all I'll say there. Miami's, once again, they're, they're a track team on offense, and you got guys like Mostert, who's finally putting a full season together and staying healthy. Tyreek Hill, bookmark it right now, the first ever 2,000-yard NFL receiver. It's going to happen this year. All right, I'm here for it. The Jaguars beat the Steelers 20-10. to Travis Etienne is just on the cusp of becoming one of the best rushers uh, running backs, I should say, in the NFL. I would say he's in the top eight, top ten discussion right now. And, and there's plays like this, this WJXL 56-yard touchdown reception that make me think that he could be one of the best in the position. He drops, four-man rush. Looks, fires, right side. Ball's caught. Travis Etienne, right sideline. 15, 10, 5, into the end zone. Touchdown. A touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence to Travis Etienne of 56 Yards for the score. And the Jaguars now 6-2 park to start the season. Notable Urban Meyer quote, he did not want to draft Travis Etienne when he was the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it's paid off. And yeah, the Jags are sleepers right now in the AFC. They're playing really good football. Defense is doing great. Josh Allen's having a career year right now. And this offense with the core of Lawrence, Etienne, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, and Evan Ingram, it, it's put, coming together very well for the Jags. I think this, the performance that stunned everybody in the NFL was Will Levis making his first start for the Tennessee Titans, throwing for four touchdowns, just the third NFL quarterback to do that in his first start as they took on the Falcons, and they won that game 28 uh, to 23. And DeAndre Hopkins turning back the clock had a fantastic game. Here's a touchdown of his on WGFX. Looking Levis throwing deep Levis. Trying to get it to Hopkins. He's got it at the five. Go! Into the end zone. Touchdown! Titans! 47 yards! Will Levis! First career touchdown pass! And Will Levis, I mean, the arm talent was undeniable. It was just whether or not he could put the pieces together. One start. We don't want to overreact, but he looked pretty darn good. Ryan Tannehill will never start again for the Tennessee Titans. That's fair. He, he, he's gone. <laughs> Either he's traded or he will not. He will, but nonetheless, he will never start a game again for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I, I would agree with that sentiment. The Eagles almost got knocked off again by the Commanders. 38-31 to the final score. DeAndre Swift put the Eagles up at, uh, by two scores at the time, uh, and then the Commanders walked down the field, made it 38-31. to But let's listen to that Swift touchdown on WIP. Now he gives it off. It's a fake show. And he goes in for the touchdown. 
Another really quick highlight there. But again, uh, the Eagles 7-1. and one. Uh, These divisional games are starting to get a little tougher and tougher, but they avoid defeat there. Yeah, again, A.J. Brown, as much as, much as we talked about Tyreek Hill having a fantastic and maybe a historic season, A.J. Brown's on that pace right now, too. Six straight game with 125 receiving yards or more in this contest. And this, this goes back to a uh, behind-the-show conversation we've had multiple times. The much-maligned Jahan Dotson for the Panhandle <laughs> Pirates finally wakes up and has a good game. And, of course, he's on my bench. He might find a starting spot next week. But a good win for the Eagles. They hang on. And interesting enough, the the commanders might have found the way to stop the tush push or the brotherly shove. Yep. They, they got the fumble out on that play, and then they did a fake brotherly shove. They scored and, a touchdown. And scored a touchdown off of it with DeAndre Swift. So it, good, good fight there from the commanders. And it's a team that's in a really weird spot because they have a lot of talent. The pieces are there, but they might be sellers at the trade deadline because there's been a bunch of talk of whether they're trading Montez Sweat or Chase Young or maybe both at some point of the deadline. The Saints now 4-4, four and 38-27. Four, to 27, They were able to beat the Colts. Jonathan Taylor looked like vintage Jonathan Taylor in this game, but it just wasn't enough. Alvin Kamara's rushing yard touchdown uh, proves that he's still one of the most talented running backs, in my opinion, the most talented running back in the NFL. Here's the call on WWL. Far to throw on first down. Throws across the middle, caught by Kamara. Kamara inside the 10-5. Reaches his arm across, and Alvin Kamara scores the touchdown for the Saints as they answer. I'm going to lump these next two games together. The Vikings beat the Packers 24-10. to They're back to 4-4 four and four on the season. Here's a Hawkinson touchdown on KFAN. Third and goal, takes the snap, looks left, fires to the end zone. Touchdown, T.J. Hawkinson with his third touchdown this season. So now you've got the 4-4 four and four Saints, the 4-4 four and four Vikings. Parker, either of those teams making the playoffs. Saints are Vikings or not. Of course, the uh, the big storyline for the Minnesota game, Kirk Cousins is tore his Achilles, and I don't know what's next for the Vikings. I wouldn't be opposed to them just shutting down Justin Jefferson for the season, embrace the tank, some would say, and try and go after a quarterback because I, I, I don't think Kirk Cousins will be back in a Minnesota uniform. I think it's time for them to find that quarterback of the future for them. Saints right now, I think they're the best team in the NFC South. Uh Atlanta has quarterback issues. Desmond Ritter is not their guy. They brought Taylor Haneke in for uh, – they said it was for an injury reason for Desmond Ritter. If you want to believe that, go ahead. But I just don't think Desmond Ritter is a starting quarterback in the NFL. The Panthers obviously just got their first win, and I think the Bucks are just not as talented right now. I would take Derek Carr over Baker Mayfield if you ask me at this point. And the Saints, I think at some point we'll start putting it together. I think New Orleans will be a team that makes the playoffs. One of the most inexplicably heartbreaking games over the weekend were the Jets and the Giants. The Jets were up. Uh, had a chance to kick a game-winning field goal in the dying seconds of regulation to go up by 10 points. They missed the field goal. The Chets go the length of the field, uh, score, fo- force overtime, and uh, Greg Zerline walks it off in overtime. Here's how the call sounded on ESPN New York 98.7 FM. The snap clean, the placement down, the kick is up, and the kick hooks to the left, but it's gone! Inside the left upright for Zerline, and the Chets win it in overtime. And honestly, I'm not sure how. That's big game Bob with shoes in there on the the final call. And uh, we're running out of time. But, Park, I want to give you a chance to react to another heartbreaking loss for the G-Men. That was the most disgusting game I have ever watched on TV <laughs> in my life. That If you want to have the – if you want to watch Iowa football in the NFL, if you want to suffer yourself through that, this was the game. Oh, my gosh. What – 
What 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 a what a turd shoot this one was. It was absolutely <laughs> awful to watch. Put and, that. And I and I suffered myself through this. I, biggest takeaway, I'll I'll end it positively. Kayvon Thibodeau's on oh his way to gosh. being a dominant edge defender. Three sacks in this game. He's got eight and a half on the season. I'm excited for Tibbs and what he's going to bring later on this year. Deontay Banks looks fantastic. You got a core of three guys really that are building in this Giants team. Thibodeau, you have Banks, and you have Dexter Lawrence for the core of your future. Defense is looking good. The offense is absolutely horrendous right now for the Giants, and I'm really worried about how Brian Dable is calling games towards the end right now. All right, last two games to talk about. The Bengals, 31-17, to they beat the 49ers. 49ers now 5-3 and as the Bengals picked up that huge victory there. And the, 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 as you mentioned, uh, the 49ers look a little bit human here. Here's a Joe Mixon touchdown on WLW. Burrow catches it to 10, gives it to Mixon again. Bouncing oh, it wide baby. to the left. He's on his way <laughs> to the promised land. Whoa, touchdown, <laughs> Bengals, Mixon. And dancing in the end zone, and Cincinnati takes a two-touchdown lead. Man, these highlights are killing me today. And then Sunday Night Football, reacting to Tyson Bajan's start. Struggled a little bit, did Tyson. Had a rushing touchdown, but he threw two interceptions. 30-13, to 13, the final score. The, Jar- or the Chargers putting up 30 points. Austin Eckler with a rushing touchdown, as it sounded on KYSR. Rolling to his right, sets his feet. There's the screen to Eckler, makes the first man miss. And there's Eckler, left sideline, to the 20, 15, 10, lowers the shoulder. Into the end zone, touchdown, Chargers. So it was a game of where the 49ers, there's a lot of concerns for those guys. And Tyson, you know, tried to game manage his game his way into another win. And it was a Charger defense that was too good enough uh, to be game managed against, especially when you had Justin Herbert throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns. So your reaction to those two games? Well, that was the most complete performance the Chargers have put together all season. Herbert played a great game, was, I think, almost perfect through the first half. Eckler has a fantastic performance as the leading receiver for the Chargers. And they really put it together defensively as well. Eric Kendricks, your leading tackler for the Chargers. Bosa got a sack in this game on Tyson Bajant, which imagine saying that phrase at this time last year. Joey Bosa was going to be sacking Tyson Bajant. But overall, I mean, Tyson did a good job, I think, from what he was given. The offensive line did him no favors for the most part. And he found the ability to really make some good throws. There were moments where he really flashed what he showed at Shepard, again, using the tight end as a – safety blanket as Cole Komet had one of his best performances for the season for Chicago. I'd say there's things to work on, but a lot of improvements for Tyson Bajan's the overall takeaway. Another break to take. We'll wrap it up after this on Panhandle Sports Live. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Tweet your thoughts on today's show at EP Sports Network. Welcome back. Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live this Monday edition. One editor's note, we will be carrying Game 3 of the World Series tonight. First pitch at 8 o'clock provided by ESPN Radio. Uh, So you're not going to want to miss that if you don't want to watch it on TV or you're driving around. We'll have the World Series. Uh, And it's been a really exciting first two games, but we'll talk about that a little bit more on tomorrow's show because... Uh, for the first time as a victorious Sparkly Springs Indians broadcaster, Parker Stone now brings you Parker's picks. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it never fails. Never failed once. 
All right, it was an even 500 split between college and NFL over the weekend. Of course, our college lock was UNC winning by a touchdown. Sadly, that is not the case, and the Tar Heels are officially on Parker's fraud watch. And we also had our uh, touchdown score and our touchdown passes hit. Troy Benson got the touchdown in the Florida State game. Bo Nix threw for two-plus touchdowns in the Oregon-Utah game. For NFL action, our lock did hit. We had the Ravens getting the win over the Cardinals. We ended up not hitting the Falcons one as I, 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 I eat a sock on that one. Will Levis, hats off to the kid. He proved me wrong, and he had a fantastic performance in beating the Falcons as well as our Tyson Bajant prop. We were hoping Tyson was going to be able to throw a touchdown pass. The, the odds on that one were minus 320, and it didn't hit. So it, to all the Tyson Bajant haters out there, congratulations on your money. But uh, that's one I'm okay losing because we're always rooting for Tyson here on the show. So for Monday Night Football, we've got Lions and we've got the Raiders tonight. So I'm taking for today's lock. I'm going to go with Jameer Gibbs over three and a half total receptions in this contest. I'm rocking with that for today. He's going to be featured a lot. No David Montgomery again, so it'll be Gibbs' backfield tonight, and they love to throw to him. He's a great receiver, and I think he's going to have a chance to get that four receptions in this game. Also, I'm taking Jamison William over Jamison Williams, excuse me, over 24 and a half receiving yards. All it takes is one big play, and Jamison Williams hits this absolutely. And I think more and more as this season goes on, they're going to incorporate Jamison Williams more and more because they have Amon Ross St. Brown, who's their short target guy. He's their target hog. He's the guy who's going to be underneath, which I think he's also questionable to play tonight with an illness, too. So if it's not him, then Laporta is going to be that guy underneath. But the big plays are going to Jamison Williams, and they're going to try and find him for that. And I'm also, sorry, Luke. I'm taking the Lions on an alternate spread of minus two and a half. I say the Lions by a field goal tonight are able to cover. So Gibbs is the lock. He gets four receptions or more. uh, Jamison Williams, 25 yards or more receiving, and the Lions cover by a field goal. All right, there you have it. Uh, This is going to do it for today's show. Like I mentioned, we've got the World Series. Adolis Garcia hit a walk-off home run in Game 1 in a game that went 11 innings. And then Game 2, the Diamondbacks stormed back to even the series, and they won that game 9-1. to So Game 3 with the series tied at a game apiece as it shifts back to Arizona. Um, Our our coverage of that game will begin at 7 o'clock, and the first pitch of that game will be 8 o'clock. But to end the show, we, of course, have to continue the celebration for our brethren in Morgan County, and let's once again listen to the final seconds of Berkeley Springs snapping a losing streak of over 700 days. This is Parker Stone on Cool 92.9. I have been Luke Wiggs, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. They take a knee. A beautiful moment at Berkeley Springs, ladies and gentlemen. Morgan County, you've suffered through a lot of losses for football. You've been through a lot. 722 days. 722 days. You heard that correct. And that streak dies today. One more snap here for Aiden Kane, who takes the knee, and the celebration begins at Morgan Field. And that is it. Ladies and gentlemen, Morgan County, stand up. Berkeley Springs, stand up. Your Indians, for the first time in 722 calendar days, have won a football game. Berkeley Springs, final score, 27. The Braxton County High School Eagles, 21. Berkeley Springs defense shuts out Braxton County in the second half. Here's our play. It's senior day. It's youth day. It's military day. The flag is flying for the drive. So much emotion on this field.
WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.